0: Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball here with you on the show. For anyone who's new or didn't catch the first podcast of Spring Training, here's how this is going to go. I'm going to give you three ups and three downs from each of the last two games that the Colorado Rockies have played. Uh, sometimes I'll do this, you know, one game at a time, sometimes two or three games at a time, but this will be the basic process throughout the year, unless there's something a little deeper to to dive into as a specific topic. If anything that happened in these games that you were interested in isn't talked about, it probably will be in a future episode when that player does something else, right? So we're we're narrowing down, we're we're keeping them a little more a little more digestible here. So let us begin with Colorado Rockies 12 to 6 win over the Milwaukee Brewers the day before yesterday, as of my recording of this. Uh, I did last time, I I began with the ups, which means I ended with the downs. So instead, especially because for these two games, oddly enough, so far for the Rockies, there are quite a few more ups in the first three days of spring training than downs. No, it doesn't mean that they're going to have a great and incredible, surprising good season, but it does mean that for right now, uh, of the things that have happened, there's more good to talk about. Let us begin uh, with the one, well, one of the three downs. And that is a rough start for Kyle Freeland. Now, again, of course, all the caveats apply here. He pitched a couple of innings. He gave up six hits. He gave up three earned runs. And in a regular season game, that would be disappoint, very disappointing, very frustrating, right? In his very first spring training outing when you don't really know what he's working on. Uh, he didn't walk anybody, which I noted. Uh, if you'll recall before, I, I had noticed that Noah Davis was walking some people. Usually that's an early sign. Just you don't want your pitcher struggling with command and control early in spring training. You'd much rather them getting tagged for runs than not able to hit, you know, the strike zone. So, yeah, it's not, those aren't great numbers. It's not what you love to see there from Kyle Freeland. And I was having this conversation with my mother yesterday, and it really put into focus to me, another reminder of, and I give these every year, but it is important to remember, this is practice, right? What we're watching is basically glorified or listening to on the radio, uh, glorified practice. And so, you know, just imagine you're sitting there and you watch, you know, some guys in the the backyard practicing and someone, you know, tries something out and they give up a home run. You don't go, oh man, they're, they're going to be, Terrible or whatever, right? But you do still note these things. And and I've got to get into practice of these kinds of, you know, like they say, spring training for everybody, right? So yeah, okay. Two innings pitched, six hits, three earned runs. Now You'd love to see Freeland get off to a better start than that, uh, though there's plenty of time for him to get settled in, get ironed out, and all of that. All right, let's go to the good stuff, since there is more good stuff from this game. And we begin the big up from this win over Milwaukee was the catchers. And this is going to be an interesting ongoing conversation. Now, there's two very different uh, players in two very different positions here. First, you've got Brian Servin, who is trying to win the starting catching job. And if you'll recall from last year, or maybe you didn't pay that close attention to last year for plenty of good reasons, uh, we really went into that season thinking Elias Diaz had a chance to really become the guy at catcher. He'd had a terrible start to the 21 season, but finished it so well that it seemed like maybe he had just found himself and the Rockies were in on a catcher who was going to be able to just be their guy, be a pretty solid hitter with some pop, good defensive numbers, not great, but good, especially when it comes to throwing guys out. But then 22 was just a big disappointment, right? He wasn't awful, awful. He just stagnated. And for the first half, again, wasn't very good to the extent that it made sense for the Rockies to bring up Brian Servin and give him an opportunity. And Servin took to that opportunity with getting some big home runs like right away, uh, showing off his power. And then as the season went on and and Diaz's struggles kind of continued, Servin basically took over the opening or the opening day, the the starting uh, catching gig right now catcher is always a little bit more of a platoon and Diaz because he had just been the starter played more regularly than backup catchers do but Servan was playing more often than not and so the way I look at it coming into this season it really is an open competition between the two of them and Servan got that open competition started nicely with a big home run for himself and uh, you know showing off what he can do there so that's going to be Really interesting to continue to watch moving forward which one of those guys is going to prove out to be the guy. And hopefully for the Rockies, that early competition between the two of them will benefit both and ultimately, therefore, the club. Because it's been a long time since, not just the Rockies, but as we've talked about a lot over the years, it is tough to get a catcher who can be a plus on both offense and defense. Very few teams in baseball have those. It looked like the Rockies were on the verge of having one and then it didn't work out that way they have got two guys here with the potential to be it, but until they do it, we just won't know. Then further down the line, they've got this hot prospect catcher who, of course, you've known. got an excellent name. He's a Drew. you got to love Drews. Drew Romo, in his first taste of spring training, and he goes three for three with four ribbies, a triple, and uh, he's stolen some bases and, and has uh, and one stolen base here as a catcher. And, and remember that throughout his minor league career, for those of you that followed that, he stole some bases there too. Drew Romo is an incredibly athletic, extraordinarily gifted defensive catcher who is also a switch hitter whose profile was, if this guy can figure out how to hit, it's going to be a boon for the Rockies. But a lot of people basically doubted him, not for anything having to do with him at all. The the thing was, high school catchers, and this is very true, don't have a high success rate of panning out in the big leagues, or even necessarily getting to the big leagues. But none of that has anything specifically to do with the person of Drew Romo, right? He is his own person. He's not whoever, you know, didn't pan out before. And so, I've always found this really interesting, because Romo immediately got to the organization, immediately began to hit, immediately showed off the game IQ, and all of the things that people have said about him throughout. And has even shown off a bit more power than some thought. And so he's gone from, oh my God, I can't believe the Rockies took a high school catcher with their second pick, let's clown on the team for a couple of years, to now being ranked inside some of these top 100 prospect lists. And I just I just think it's hilarious, the, the turnaround that has happened with Drew Romo. But it's nice to see him start, much like Zach Veen, He's, he's not going to make the team out of uh, spring training. He's not going to be there on opening day. And actually, I don't even think Romo's got a great shot at being in the bigs this year. You know, I think this is more uh, a great opportunity for him to show how close he is. I think we're going to see him in double A and you hope next year. Drew Romo can arrive, but he, he was not projected to be a super fast riser the way Zach Veen was, the way guys like David Dahl and Ryan McMahon were and things like that. Like, no, usually with catchers, especially out of high school, it it's a long-term project. There is so much on the plate of a catcher that it takes these guys a long, long time. Remember for Dom Nunez, who was a high school catcher, and they actually made him a middle infielder for a little while. It took him like eight years of playing in minor league baseball just to to finally get his his shot in the bigs, right? It's a tough position, man. But there appears to be something special about this Romo kid. And I'm going to have my eyes on him very, very, very closely because this is one of those things that could go from, oh my God, I can't believe the Rockies did something so stupid to, this is one of the most important and valuable pieces of the entire organization, if it pans out. Now, again, that, that, that sounds like I'm I'm not putting all of that on the kid, right? Ultimately, like everybody else, in a minor league ball player that has a lot more to prove than whatever he's proven so far. Absolutely the case. But there's also the potential of, you know, a, a reliever can only do so much. An outfielder can only do so much. The catcher has a potential to impact your entire Ball club, if they can truly be an elite player. And while it's a lot to project that forward, he he clearly has the potential. And so to see him go out there right away, feel very comfortable at the plate, the swing looks good, the base running looks good, and we know he can catch. Since he's shown up, his framing, his pitch calling, his sliding around back there, his Catch and release time on the throws. That stuff, there's never been a question. So it's time to start getting excited about Drew Romo. Even as we are going to focus mostly on Brian Servin versus Elias Diaz this spring training, Drew Romo is on the horizon. And it's worth getting very excited about. All right, I'm going to go very quickly through this down because this isn't a regular season game. I, I Like I said, it's kind of funny that I'm struggling to find uh, the, the downs right now. They'll come. Oh, don't you worry. There'll be days when I'm struggling to find the ups for sure. But my second down for this game, the Rockies went four for 19 with runners in scoring position and left 10 on base. Now they scored 12 runs, <laughs> right? And actually, early in the game it was even worse at one point i think they were like over 8 and and some of the young guys that subbed in later started coming through but yeah again if this was the regular season it might be pointing out, worth pointing out the the batting average runners and scoring position the number of people left on base but even then like if they score 12 runs you're really you're reaching at that point but like like i know if if we separate it into the first half of the game when most of the regular starters were in there you'd like to see him hit better there, I guess. Whatever. All right, let's go back to another good. The second up from this game, more Zach Veen. Are you ready for more Zach Veen hype? Not a huge game like it was in his first one where he had the double and the home run and a couple of stolen bases, but he kept it going with another double and two more stolen bases. So... To put it as quickly and as simply as possible, Zach Veen has shown up to spring training doing Zach Veen things against Major League ballplayers. And th- that's what we mean when we talk about will what the guy did in AA or AAA translate, right? It's one thing to be slapping doubles and stealing bases all over A or the Arizona Fall League, but now you're out there against Major Leaguers and he's still just doing what he do. And it's really fun to watch. So for a couple of days in a row, Zach Veen is one of your big ups from Rocky Spring Training. Uh, the last down I've got for you here again, I'm I'm reaching for it. Reliever Jeff Criswell was tagged for two runs and he walked a guy. Yeah, that's all I got for you. Does that mean anything for him? Not necessarily. Uh, you, you know, there's this this group of guys I'm going to talk about another one here in a minute. I, I need to come up with a name for them. Maybe we'll crowdsource this. Y- y'all can help me out. I, I talked all offseason, basically all last season, well, for the last couple of years, about <laughs> this type of pitcher that the Rockies need to find, right? I've often referred to them as like the next Jorge De La Rosa or Tyler Chatwood, someone who doesn't come in with, even, even to some extent, Chad Cool last year, even though that didn't pan out as well as obviously De La Rosa or for at least the 2013 season, Tyler Chatwood. But Things where it's like a guy's not going to make a ton of money. He doesn't come in with a bunch of pomp and circumstance. You just kind of, you grab him off of the waiver wire or you trade a guy who you were probably going to cut anyway. Like there are set the Rockies did several of these in the off season, right? There are a couple more I'm going to talk about in the next game. And so there's this group of pitchers who are here to show us, show me what you got. See if you're finding yourself. See if maybe here's where you can find yourself and I think the Rockies have done a pretty good job. I would have liked to have seen maybe two or three more of this type of player, both as a reliever and a starter. Jeff Criswell fits firmly into this category. And so, yeah, it's like there's going to be kind of a competition between all of them, right, to see who's going to end up on that opening day roster, whether it's as the fourth or fifth starter, depending on where the health of the other guys is at at that particular moment, when we know Sensatella is out, or into the bullpen, which is going to have a lot of open competition So Criswell's going to have his opportunities to show what more he can do, but probably not the start that he wanted since he is probably in a bit of a competition there. And then my final up for you, there there were a couple of good ones here. I'm going to go with the bullpen. I almost chose 10 team walks. The Colorado Rockies drew 10 walks in this one, which may hopefully indicate a a kind of team-wide emphasis on patience at the plate this season, but I've got to go with good bullpen. Your third up from the Milwaukee game is uh, Daniel Bard, which y- you like to see just because, you know, he's he's getting up there in age, and at some point he's not going to be able to keep doing what he's doing. But you at least want to see Daniel Bard show up and, as I said about Zach Veen earlier, do what he do, and, and he did. So, excellent news there. But, of course, the bigger thing was really good quality, clean innings from Justin Lawrence and Phillips Valdez. Phillips Valdez is another one of these guys who... Reclamation projects—all oh, it doesn't sound nice. <laughs> Diamonds in the rough is overused and can apply. So, anything we, again, we got to come up with a name for this group of particularly the pitchers who are coming in to prove themselves. So, Phillips Valdez, uh, lefty out of the bullpen, looked really, really good, and so you like to see that because again, these are the guys battling for jobs. And Justin Lawrence is just fun to watch when he's good. If he can be good, that's going to be really exciting for the Colorado Rockies. So that's all I've got for you from the Milwaukee game. Let's go quickly over to the 7-3 victory over the uh, Oakland Athletics. Yeah, Rockies scoring a lot of runs and winning ballgames early in spring training. But I've got to begin here with an up that has nothing to do with the runs. Uh, somebody said in my Discord chat, and I could not agree more, that... Lambert, Peter Lambert and Connor Siebold pitching four scoreless innings at the beginning of this game was in many ways more exciting than what Zach Veen and Drew Romo and some of these young guys are doing. Now, in a lot of ways, it's not. It's, it's you know, the button up businessman's version of exciting because watching guys hit homers and run the bases is is exciting, right? And ultimately, we are talking about a grand total of four innings split between two pitchers here. All of that said, I get where this person was coming from. I believe it was Mr. Nunez in the chat. Peter Lambert is in a weird spot, man. When he arrived, he really had everything going in his way where he should have been able to cement himself very quickly as a solid, solid number four or five starter. And that doesn't get a lot of people super excited. But man, oh man, if the Rockies needed that In the last couple of years and and really over the years, every team needs a guy who on that fourth or fifth day when your ace isn't going, you still feel like you can win the ballgame. You know the thing when you look down at the pitching matchup and you immediately go, (laughs) it's going to be a rough afternoon, you know, you you want your fourth or fifth guy to avoid that. And Lambert looked like he was going to be that kind of guy. He throws strikes. He's got a good pitch mix. Like, yeah, he was getting knocked around a little bit as a rookie, but that happens, right? Uh, And then the the big injury, the TJ, the pandemic, all the missed time, getting hurt a little bit again after coming back, and he's just missed so much time that it's hard for any Rockies fan to get excited about Peter Lambert right now, and I totally get it. At the same time, you know, in the immortal words of Monty Python, he's not dead yet, Right? Ryan Rollison, another thing, and hopefully we'll see him throughout spring training. But you gotta get him out there and get him some opportunities and see if maybe he can still be a really quality piece for your organization. And and if he is, he can be so immediately. Like Lambert could step right in and be in the starting rotation at the beginning of the season, and that could be a very good thing for the Rockies' future if he's finally getting out from underneath all of these injury problems. And so it's hard not to root for a guy like Peter Lambert. He walked one, but that was it. Two innings of otherwise clean baseball. And again, if, if you're going to say a little bit of like, hey, Freeland didn't want to start by giving up three earned runs. Well, Lambert did want to start by two innings, no damage. That, that's that got to be great for where he's at mindset-wise, physically. you love to see that. Now, Connor Seabold, back to my reclamation project, Diamond in the Rough. Guys, the Rockies went out and got to see bold, sorry, to see what he can, <laughs> to see just how bold he be, Uh, no, to see what these, if they can be that guy that figures it out, the low risk, high reward candidate, and two completely clean innings for Connor Bold. so, yeah, to, to see, the Rockies, I've said it a million times, every team needs starting pitching. The Rockies need it as much, if not more, than anybody. And this current iteration of it, there are so many question marks that any amount of good pitching from the starters or from guys who could be starters is great news. And there's, there's just no other way to take it. So, yeah. All right, let's go to a down from this 7-3 win over Oakland. I was reaching here, you guys. It The Rockies played a very good game against Oakland. Um, more iffy batting with runners in scoring position. They went two for 10. Again, it's spring training. They scored seven runs. They won the ball game. But yeah, I guess if you're looking at early on, is there anything that the offense, having scored 12, 12, and then seven, isn't doing well, it would be, Hitting with runners, situational hitting, if you want to call it that. But even in spring training, like guys aren't trying to move the runner over and move him in. And maybe you should be focused on that a little bit. Maybe there should be some practicing of that. But you're not going to make the team because, you know, you, you hit a sack fly in spring training. Like they, they want to see you hit the ball hard into the gap, over the wall, you know, run the bases, do the defense, all that kind of stuff. The situational hitting in spring training just isn't a focus. But arguably, maybe it should be. So that that's interesting. All right, another up. How about this? Chris Bryant home run. Now, do we get overly excited about it? Sure, if you want. Again, this is one of those things you balance. It's nice to see him hit a home run if for no other reason than we didn't see it nearly enough last year, right? And your your brain—it's it's the recency bias. At some point, you just want to remember that yes, he can do that. He can still do that, right? Right? We're we're pretty sure he can still do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he—and it wasn't a a wall scraper. It wasn't. A, well, he got underneath the pitch a little bit, but he's so strong, and he, you know, the wind down there sometimes, depending on the ballpark you're playing in, this time of year, can carry him out. But no, he absolutely smashed the ball over the berm. Like he just just destroyed it. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Bryant, again, can still do Chris Bryant things. The number one thing with him is obviously going to be health. But then after that, yeah, you, you need to remember that he can still do that. And he can, and it's beautiful to watch. And hopefully this is a year where we're talking about Chris Bryant, the baseball player, and not Chris Bryant's the weird sort of concept and caricature that a lot of people seem to have in their minds. So good up there. On a down... I've got Coco Montes committing an error. I really had to stretch on this you guys. It's a good ball game, like I said, uh, even the runs they give up were like Meh. Uh and and from pitchers who I, I don't think are you know likely to be much of a factor, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. Uh, Coco Montez, honestly, the funny thing is I only put him on here for making this error just so I could very briefly talk about him. He's having a nice spring Uh, offensively. uh, He had a great season last year offensively. I've always seen him as this kind of quadruple-A player. I would say that my feelings on him have often been very similar to my feelings on Ryan Feltner, the pitcher, for those of you that remember that. I just, despite the fact that they continue to show a decent amount of production, there's something about the profile and lack of, like, Top end talent that I'm not quite seeing that makes me think I don't know if it's ever really truly going to work out for this guy. That said, you know results are results, and at some point, Coco Montez is. And by the way, he's a middle infielder, good athlete, not great athlete, good hitter, not great hitter. Right? One of these guys, and, and I know that uh, my friend Evan over at Purple Row is a big, big believer, and or at least a you know a big like this guy should get his shot uh, for Coco Montez and. I'm one of those guys that I've never been like, he he absolutely needs to get there. We need to see what he has. But I think he will, and I think he's earned that. Like I, I think he's getting close to the point where it's like, yeah, maybe he'll be a backup infielder or whatever. If Trejo isn't available to go at some point, or if, God forbid, Tovar has some kind of injury, or whatever. maybe Coco Montes is a guy we see... Uh, at the big leagues this year, and so I'd be excited to see him get the opportunity. And you root for anybody whose profile doesn't quite stack up. You know, Joshua Fuentes, Raimel Tapia, Kyle Parker, for you old heads. You know, there's there's always these guys who the profile isn't quite there. The minor league numbers are great, and see, so go the uh, Winton Bernard last year was another great example of like he earned his shot. But just because you put up huge numbers in Triple A. Doesn't necessarily mean, I'm going to use that word again, that it'll translate to the bigs. But everyone should be rooting for Coco Montez. I'm going to end on the last up, so I'll do two downs in a row, especially because listen to how ridiculous this is. This is, I'm telling you, I looked hard for another down from this game. CJ Krohn went 0 for 3. He's 0 for 5. He's 0 for spring training. That's all I got. Does it matter? No. Krohn could go out and hit two home runs in his next two at-bats and this will mean nothing. The only reason I decided to go with this one is because Krohn did finish the season so slowly last year. And so while 0 for 5 is nothing, 0 for 10 isn't much. If he's 0 for 15 or 1 for 16, 2 for 19, you know, this spring training with how poorly he ended last year with these questions about what the Rockies have got going on at first base. Again, now I'm already blowing this into a much bigger deal. Like I said, he could hit a home run like 10 minutes from when I'm speaking, and (laughs) this could all be nonsense, and it almost certainly is. But maybe something to keep an eye on since he did finish last year so poorly, and the Rockies do have other very intriguing options at first base, Uh, whether it's Tolia, who got a a base hit in this one as well. Again, there's a lot more ups that I could have highlighted. Uh, Montero, who's looked good so far this spring training and drew a couple of walks in the Milwaukee game, and I didn't talk about that. But, yeah, so, I don't know. Keep your eyes on Crone, I guess. And let's finish up with the last up I have from the win over Oakland, which is more catcher stuff. Uh, Day after, Brian Servin hits the big home run, and Drew Romo goes three for three with four ribbies, a triple, and a stolen base. Elias Diaz comes out and answers by going two for three uh, with three RBI. And so we've got ourselves a little bit of a fun catcher battle going on here early in the season. Diaz, there were some great quotes I heard from uh, Jack and Jerry listening on the radio talking about, Diaz admitting that he was trying too hard, that he was pressing too much. He's got to be more patient, more relaxed at the plate, that he knows he's a better hitter than he is, that he welcomes the competition with Brian Servant. And man, again, it's early, but you hope this is just good for both of these guys. And they look like they're coming to spring training, ready to be the best versions of themselves. And we really don't know what that is. For most of the players on this roster... Like, you know, okay, the best version of Charlie Blackman, and how close to that can we get, right? The best version of CJ Crone and how close to that can we get? Even with the pitchers, I think we know what the best version of Armand Marquez, maybe not. We know what the best version of Kyle Freeland is. We saw it. It was incredible. To see it again, that would be neat. Um, A lot of these guys, right? We we know basically the spectrum of, of outcomes, but I still feel like with both of these catchers, even with Diaz having been around for a couple of years now, there's a lot we just don't know about what they could produce. The the Rockies catching tandem could be among the worst in Major League Baseball this season, but they could. These two guys do have it in them to be among the best. They absolutely do. I'm telling you that right now, and it'll probably fall somewhere in the middle. But this uh, of the guys who were already on the team, right? Because most of the exciting stuff this spring training is going to be. Drew Romo, Zach Veen, even the Connor Siebel, Peter Lambert, Ryan Rolison, uh, new players who might be able, Phillips Valdez, I'm not going to name every single one of them, but of the guys who were there last year and just weren't a plus that could become a plus, it's these catchers for me. These are the guys, so that they're showing up like this is pretty cool. Let me know what you've seen so far out of these first three spring training games. If there's any players or any moments, little storylines going on that I haven't talked about yet that you'd like to hear me talk about. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep it going as they keep it going. And make sure you're checking back in here every couple of games or so on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network for your three ups and your three downs. Thank you so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball.